friends, let us now listen to Brother Mel Caparos, pastor of Living Word Christian Churches of Cebu International. Before we do that, shall we all stand as we pray? Our most loving Heavenly Father, thank you for gathering us once again this morning, O Lord. Thank you for the wonderful gift of salvation that you have allowed us to experience in our lives and get to know you personally. To know that you are awesome, that you are beautiful, that you are holy and righteous and true and faithful and all-wise and all-powerful, merciful and all-just. Thank you that we can come to you, Lord, when we are in times of trouble. Indeed, you are our refuge, and you are our hope. You are our stronghold, and you are our warrior in times of battles that we experience through our spiritual lives. We look forward to today's message, Lord God. I ask that you anoint This message this morning, the servant, and the hearers, Lord, your people. We are but clay, we are but dust, but you gave us life that we may know you, the one true living God. Pray that your Holy Spirit once again take control of everything that happens this morning. And we would give back to you all praises, glory, and thanks whatever is accomplished today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's all sit down. The title of this morning's message is Getting Away from the Enticement of the Old Life. There is a parallelism between the Israelites' exodus from Egypt. We have the map of Egypt here. They they had an exodus from Egypt and their journey to the promised land and the Christians' departure from the old life and their journey towards the new life. As you can see here, uh, Egypt is southern in relation to Israel. In the Old Testament times, it was called Canaan. And they crossed the sea and then went to the desert for 40 years and then went up, crossed uh, the Jordan River and then finally reaching Canaan. Now, Egypt, in the biblical sense, in the spiritual sense, is a category of the world because it held God's people as slaves and was governed by a malevolent ruler. When Egypt was first mentioned, and we find that in Genesis chapter 12, verse 10 to 29, it was in a negative context. We find Abraham acting against the will of God by going to Egypt and experiencing adverse consequences. Abraham was already in the promised land. But because of a famine that was happening there, they went to Egypt. God never told Abraham to leave Canaan. 
He did it on his own wisdom. And he experienced trouble. The principle of first mention in biblical interpretation tells us that how a subject is first mentioned in the Bible determines its usage throughout the Bible. That's the principle of first mention. So throughout the Bible, Egypt is a picture of slavery. Egypt is a picture of the old life. Egypt is a picture of oppression. But in spite of this, Egypt possessed an attraction to call back the people of God even soon after their deliverance from slavery. Moses was leading the more than two million people into the hot and barren desert. And estimate by biblical scholars say that there were about 2.4 million mass of people. That's the meaning of Exodus. The exit of a mass of people. What if enemies will attack them? They were in an open desert. Nowhere practically to hide. What if they run out of food and water? It did happen that for three days, there was no water. But let us always consider that God was with them. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 21 to 22, it tells us that by day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. The Lord was with them. Isn't it wonderful to know, brethren, that God leads and is always there with His people day and night? The Lord is with you day and night. But we have to admit that as Christians, we too experience a strong call from the world, from where we came back, from our own Egypt, our old life, even after our salvation. Many of the Lord's people still give much of their lives, either looking back to Egypt or actually crossing over there from time to time. I experienced that myself. So how do we get away from the enticement of the old life? By the grace and power of God. We do not have power on our own to do that. And so therefore, God shows us that we do not have to walk or run limping towards the finish line of faith. Just imagine in a race of, of several people and they're running towards a finish line and some are running as fast as they could and really straining hard. But there are some people who are just... God does not want to see a picture of his child in that race limping. So today, let us look at the four perspectives that will help us get away from the enticement of the old life and move on with our new life. Now, there are four important perspectives. First is the domination by the old life. Second, the deliverance from the old life. And then the callback to the old life. And the moving on to the new life. So let's go to the first Important perspective, the domination by the old life. This is characterized by suffering and powerlessness. Exodus chapter 1, verse 10 to 15 records for us the long and great suffering that the Israelites endured. These tell us that the Egyptians treated the Israelites shrewdly, assigned taskmasters to afflict them 
with hard labor. They were greatly oppressed and ruthlessly made to work as slaves, making their lives bitter with hard service. And finally, the king of Egypt ordered the Hebrew midwives to kill all male newborn babies when he heard that a deliverer among the Hebrews was going to be born. Thankfully, the Hebrew midwives did not obey the order of the king. The Israelites' enslavement in Egypt became worse and they were powerless. Ironically, through the long years of their enslavement, the ways of Egypt became ingrained in them. The same thing happens to a person who is in bondage to sin. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 to 2 gives us a, a striking image or picture of the bondage endured by those who are captives of the world's satanic system. Paul says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So being out of the will of God, when we were still separated from God, we were in a time of deadness, enslavement, and hopelessness. We were also blind to the truth about God and about ourselves. That's why people who are enslaved by sin, they may not acknowledge it. But try telling them to get out of the entanglement of the ways of the world. Challenge them to do it. They could not do it. They may say, I can do it, but they cannot. Because we need a new heart. They need a new heart. Remember what your old life was like before you came to Christ? Think about your life before. Remember where you and I were before Jesus saved us? I remember very well. I almost killed myself. I was a young doctor at that time. I can just imagine the story of all these members of the worship team. <laughs> they have their own life story, how the Lord rescued them from the bondage and slavery to sin. You have your own story to tell. It will take years to listen to all of our stories, but we'll have time in eternity to tell each other. <laughs> God delivered us from the most terrible domination, the enslavement to sin, a slavery that leads to death and separation from God, not only here on earth, but even in eternity if we are not saved, if we are not delivered. And we were powerless. That's the first perspective that we need to understand and remember. The second important perspective is that our deliverance from the old life and the deliverance of the Israelites as well. And this deliverance was accomplished by God's plan and by God's power. Now let's look at by God's plan. Exodus chapter 2, verse 1 to 10. I will not quote the scripture anymore because it's long. God had an amazing plan. In the midst of their slavery, God raised up a deliverer named Moses. A child born of a slave Hebrew woman from among them. At that time, there was an order given by the Pharaoh that all Hebrew male newborns be thrown into the Nile River. So that no deliverer will come. But what? Did God do? Look what He does. 
Moses was placed in a basket and placed in the Nile River. But he was rescued out of the river by no other than the one who gave the order to kill all the male newborns, the Pharaoh's daughter. Isn't that amazing? One day, Moses would rise up with the great power of Almighty God to bring his people out of their 40 years, of 400 years of oppression in Egypt. 400 long years, that's four centuries. How many generations of Israelites were born in those long years? God had already planned to deliver Israel long before Moses was born. It was disclosed to Abraham hundreds of years earlier. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 13 to 14, it says there, Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years, very specific, your descendants, your descendants, Abraham, will be strangers in a country, not their own and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. God knows the future. God knows your future. Then verse 14 continues, But I will punish the nation that serve as, they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. They needed logistics. When they leave Egypt, in God's perfect time, Moses came and brought the Israelites out of their slavery. It was a plan that required them to have faith in God. If you didn't believe in Moses, the one that God sent, then you will remain a slave in Egypt. If you are among the Israelites. So it was required for them to have faith in God who sent Moses to speak to the people. And that faith led them to action. How? By going with Moses. It was also into this fallen world of darkness that God sent the Redeemer, His beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be born into this world, to live and to die to redeem lost humanity from slavery to sin. And that was us, or rather including us. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. First Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, All who would receive him and believe in his name were given the right to become children of God. That's how we become a part of God's family. When we repent and acknowledge our sin, that we can never be righteous on our own before God and put our faith and receive Christ into our lives. That's how we become God's children. Luke 4, verse 18 says, Jesus came to set the captives free. That's what we were before. Even before the foundation of the world, God had already ordained only one plan to rescue lost sinners. There is no other plan. It is also a plan that requires true faith in Jesus Christ, whom God had sent. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are also putting our faith in the God who sent the Lord Jesus Christ. And this plan will work for all who personally believe and receive it, assuring their salvation. Those Israelites who left Egypt were imperfect people. Even Moses, probably the greatest prophet of God, was imperfect. 
Acts chapter 13, verse 30 to 31 tells us that when the terrified prison guards asked Paul and Silas, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household, by God's plan. Let's go to by God's power. We were delivered. The Israelites were delivered. Exodus chapters 7 to 14. These are several chapters, seven chapters. Tells us of God's deliverance of His people by a marvelous display of His power. He unleashed a series of ten plagues of judgments against Egypt. But the heart of Pharaoh was hardened in spite of the judgments that were suffered by his people that God brought on them to release his people. The Pharaoh hardened his heart until finally God decreed that all firstborns among the Egyptians would die when the angel of death would pass by Egypt. The Pharaoh finally relented and God's people left Egypt. They were set free after four centuries of slavery. And then on their way out of Egypt, Exodus chapter 14 verse 9 tells us that God led them to the edge of the sea, surrounded by a hostile desert land and pursued by a vicious Egyptian army led by its angry king who felt naisahan siya. Allowed them to go. Can you imagine the entire workforce of the Egyptian empire in the heart of Egypt were delivered in a day's time. Disappeared. And bringing with them the possessions of the Egyptians. The Egyptians were giving them gold and silver, livestock, and everything that they asked for. Just live so that all these plagues that are happening to us will disappear. You go, go, go. Bring this, bring that. Whatever you ask. Then finally the king realized, I've been had. We've been had. Let's go after them. Let's chase them. So he gathered his chariots. And his men and his warriors and soldiers with weapons intent on slaughtering the Israelites who are living. So it looked like the God's people were trapped to, to be slaughtered. But we find in the succeeding verses that God, in a mighty display of his power, opened the sea. If you read the whole chapter of chapter 15 in Exodus. Moses in his song described what the wall of the sea was like. It was like, it was straight up and it was hard. You see, water is penetrable. You know, you put your hand there. But the description of Moses is that it was hard. It was straight up. And lo and behold, the ground was dry. They were not limping there with all the mud, and then they have a hard time getting out of that mud. No, it was, it was dry ground. I don't know how dry it was, but that's the description. Wow. They were so scared, I'm sure, at the edge of the sea. They were wondering, are we going to, to Paris? All of us are going to be slaughtered by these Egyptians? There's no way for us to escape. We're trapped. Oh, my kids, my family. And they were, they were scared. But God told Moses to put his staff onto the water. And lo and behold, the water, the sea opened up. And the people crossed on dry ground safely to the other side of the shore. While the pursuing Egyptian army who were really intent on killing them, they were running also on dry ground with their chariots. 
but God ordered the waters to crash on them. In the Song of Moses, it describes there that the chariots and the, sol the Egyptian soldiers sunk to the bottom of the sea, to the depth of the sea, like stone. What, what a vivid picture of what happened to them. The enemies that will pursue God's people ultimately will perish. What a scene to behold God's power to save. In the same manner, our salvation from slavery to sin does not come about by our own human power, righteousness, or righteous acts. Salvation is exclusively the mighty work of God. He conceived the plan. He provided the sacrifice, the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He calls the sinner, convicts the sinner, saves the sinner, and preserves the sinner. If God left us alone in our Christian walk, we, have, we would have perished long ago. Remember the excitement, the praise and joy that fill our hearts for the Lord that day we were saved? The greater sinner you are, the greater the joy and the greater the praise. <laughs> Still remember that? How you long for His presence and how we thank God. You still remember how it was like to finally understand with, that we are now free or we were now, you were now free from condemnation. Romans chapter 8 verse 1, the first time I read it. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. The wages of sin is death. But thanks be to God, He delivered us. That's why last Christmas, last December, I was invited to speak before the fellowship in prison. You see, many inmates in prison at the Cebu City Jail have become Christians. And so they have Bible study and then they have uh, fellowship services. And that was the, that was the Christmas uh, service that they had. Boy, when you see them worship God with all their tattoos and with all their heart, because they know how much deliverance they have experienced. Not that they were delivered from prison, from the physical prison that they were in, but the prison of sin. And then we go to the third perspective. The first perspective, important perspective that we need to know and understand is the domination of the old life. And then the second is our deliverance from the old life. And then the third is the call back to the old life. Now what is this call back to the old life? Even though the people of Israel had experienced such a great deliverance, experiencing miracle after miracle, from their bondage in Egypt, they continued to experience a strange longing for that land of slavery and death. I see the same experience in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. Even though we have been set free, there is still a continuous call from the ways of the world and its attractions. This was true for Israel. This is also true for us. The Israelites experienced God's provisions, and yet they were always complaining. They experienced God's protection, and still they were still in fear. What are these attractions and temptations? The security and provisions of the old life. In Egypt, yes, they were slaves, but if they work hard, maybe they get some latus latus salikod. They were relatively safe and life seemed predictable. They had food and water supplied to them. 
The Pharaoh was a hard ruler, but at least they were alive. But now here in this deserted wilderness, he is actively going after them and intending to kill them. In Egypt, the Israelites could depend on, daily, on their daily provisions. When they left to follow God, look at the difference. When they left to fo- with Moses following God, they had now had to live by faith in God to provide for their needs on a daily basis. In Exodus chapter 14, verse 11 to 12, this tells us that under crisis, the people started grumbling to Moses, like us. When do, we, when do we begin to grumble to God? When we are in a crisis, whatever crisis you may have experienced. It says there, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt, Moses, that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Is not what this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Look, the sudden change of the attitude of the people under crisis. You see, when they were crossing the, the dry ground, when God parted the sea, one of the women <clears throat> started to lead the other women to sing songs. They used tambourine and they were singing. They were very happy. They were very excited and thanking God for their deliverance. Now look what's happening to them. They're complaining. That's why we need to keep in mind, brethren, God's promise. Put it in your mind and then let it sink in your heart. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. While this was primarily a a promise of God to the Israelite people, they were God's people, we are also God's people in this New Testament. God says, for I know the plans I have for you, for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. He doesn't want disaster to happen to you. He does not want to harm you. There are times when he allows difficulties and trials and suffering that you go through to make you strong in your faith. The same thing with the Israelites. God allowed them to go through some degree of suffering because they wanted them to get to know God better and deeper and wider. That is the God who is our deliverer, not just our deliverer, but He is our provider, He is our protector. He gives us our needs, He is our refuge, a rock in times of trouble. How can we say, God, you are a rock in my times of trouble when you don't experience trouble? This only means one thing, brethren. Remember this. That means God will never abandon you. When you belong to God's flock, the good shepherd will not abandon his sheep. You belong to him. In fact, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God indwelling in you. He is with you always. Isn't that great? No matter what you go through in this life. He is with you. He leads you. He guides you. You need to be following him. Then let's look at the second kind of call to the back to the old life. The way of the old life. The people of Israel desired not only the provisions of Egypt, but also the way things were done when they were still slaves. 
It could be religious, it could be economic, it could be professional, it could be whatever. The ways of Egypt, the ways of the old life. And the same thing can happen to redeem people of God. When we keep looking back at the things of the world that we used to do and fill our minds, we begin to desire those things again. And when we allow them, we will stumble in them again. That's why there's such a word as backsliding. Pragmatism and expediency are the world's keys to make things move even when it is done by lying, cheating, and stealing. I have many friends who are in business and they have told me it's very hard to be a Christian in business. It's very hard to be a Christian if you are a contractor. But I have also heard from Christian businessmen who said it can be done. You just have to trust God in His ways. Of course, those who said it cannot be done, they are unbelievers. They know their own hearts and they know the hearts of the people that they are dealing with. That's why corruption is the number one problem in our country. We, Brother Oji rightly said so earlier. We need a transformed heart. Only God can do that. Only Jesus can do that. And many of God's children also yield to the call of the world to go back to its ways when they should be trusting the Lord for all their needs. Especially the young Christians, the weaker Christians. They have not grown much in their strength of faith. To a lot of people, even some of God's people, doing God's righteous ways while waiting on Him to give them what they need is so slow. An unattractive gaya ni mo Lord. May paning mo bribe ta kay dalera kayo mahuman. Dealing with so many things. So slow. Madakpan gani. Driver's license. The temptation is to bribe the enforcer. Paraway samok. Remember, the Apostle Peter had three years of intensive discipleship with the Lord Jesus. Well, yet when he, he was tested to stand by his faith, Peter denied him three times. This is an apt reminder for all of us that if we are not always on our guard, we will fall. We need to always keep in mind Jesus' promise. God will provide our needs. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus is talking here about basic needs, not our wants. Our, our wants are unlimited. And this is affirmed by Psalm, the writer of Psalm 37, verse 25. When he said, I was young. So this guy writing is already an old man. He said, I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. Wow. God's word is true. God's promise is true. God is faithful. New believers get surprised, confused, or discouraged when they experience their first spiritual battles. The old ruler, Satan, tries to defeat them from committing to serve the new ruler, the Lord Jesus. In some instances, these battles overwhelm the believers, tempting them to look back 
and consider returning to Egypt. The old life. That's what happened to the Israelites. But God has set us free. And we have the inner power to make the right choice. Where before, we didn't have the power to choose. We were slaves. Our hands were shackled. Our hearts were shackled. Our minds were shackled. But when Jesus set us free, we now have a choice. We have a new nature, a new heart. So we have two natures competing, the old nature, the sin nature, and then we have the new nature that comes from God. And we have a, the power to make a choice, the right choice, the choice to make God's way our way. And remember this, brethren. The more we obey the Lord, the stronger we become. Let us not follow our emotions. Let us not follow our own wisdom. Let us follow God's word. That's how we become strong. Otherwise, we will just be tossed in the waves of despair and Discouragement. Then we go to the fourth important perspective, the last one. Moving on to the new life. And this life is radically different. We live with a different standard. We live by following the Lord and trusting Him. And this is what and this is where we need to focus our lives on. We know that He leads us to paths of righteousness. God will never lead us to paths of unrighteousness. At times, to easy and abundant paths. At other times, to rough and difficult places. Just as He was with the Israelites day and night, God is always with us by His indwelling Spirit. And by his living word. Plugging our church name, living word. And that's what makes the journey, that's what makes our journey exciting or bearable. During those times, during the easy times and you know abundant times, it's very exciting. We're very excited. God even gives us more than what we ask for. Even when we do not ask something, He gives it to us. He's a lavish Father. And then when He allows us to go through rough and difficult places, He makes it for us bearable when we hold on to Him and trust His promises. This is why we need to fix our eyes on Jesus because when we lose sight of Him and focus our eyes on our problems, on those things that are happening with us, our circumstances, when we lose sight of our Good Shepherd, we will stray, we will get tired, we will be discouraged, and then we begin to look back to the old way of things. Many of the Israelites died with Egypt's influence still in their hearts. Many of them died in the desert, not reaching the promised land. And it was only at their deaths that they were truly set free. Even Moses, God did not allow him to enter the promised land. Was he not saved? Of course he was saved. But the higher your position, the higher is the accountability. The higher is the responsibility. Many of God's people, God, many of God's people are in the same predicament today. They still live in worldliness. Sometimes it's hard to tell whether they have been born of God or not. It is sad, even tragic, when God's people live doubting the one 
who rescued them from slavery. They still hesitate to walk by faith in the plan of God and continue to long for the old life. They are so captivated that they are unable to get away from the enticing call of the world. They're following the Lord, but they keep looking back. Or even once, once in a while, they, they go back. Consequently, they are still wandering in the wilderness of disobedience, fear, unable to enter the victorious land of promise. They die not finishing well in the race of faith. That's the only time they truly die to the world. And that is a sad way to live as a Christian. Do we want to live like that? Live our lives in fear, in defeat? In Numbers chapter 14, verse 30, we find there that of the 600,000 men, able-bodied men, men who were capable to fight, and they were counted, who left Egypt as adults, only Caleb and Joshua entered the promised land of victory. Why is that? Their trust in the Lord brought them victory after victory. They finished strong. They stopped looking back and instead kept on looking ahead. Their eyes were focused on what God has in store for them. And they receive it. They had a correct view of the old life in Egypt. They were slaves there. We were slaves there in our old life. And they wanted nothing from it. We have to not want anything from it. After the people, notice that after the people crossed the Jordan River and entered the promised land, not one Israelite longed to go back to Egypt. While it is true that there were giants, thick-walled cities, and armies to overcome, same thing with us. We will be battling spiritual giants in our lives. Thick-walled cities and armies, enemies of God, to put us down. These could not prevent God from bringing His people into the land of promise, into the land of victory. That is the promise of God. God brought down the walls of Jericho to the ground. They were no match to God's power. All that was required of them was to believe what God said and enter into the land and take possession of it. When God speaks and tells us something, we must believe Him. We must trust Him. And we must obey Him. Regardless of the circumstances. Brenna Kate Simons, a former lesbian with an eating disorder who became a Christian, says in her article, Craving Egypt, just as God had to continually remind the Israelites of what He'd done for them and what He was going to do for them, I need to continually remind myself of the truth of who He is. I need to remind myself that my circumstances or how I see things with my limited perspective, with my own eyes, do not define God's character. His word does. Not our circumstances, not our own wisdom, not our own emotions. God's word defines God's character. And that's what we must put our faith in. Just like Caleb and Joshua, victory over the call, the enticement of Egypt is possible for us today. Jesus has taken us out of our own Egypt, but we need to take Egypt out of us out of our system, 
Remember Galatians chapter 5 verse 1? It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Free to know God. Free to follow God. Free to obey God. Free to experience God in our lives. Stand firm then, Paul continues, and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery of the past. Let us remember where we came from. We were slaves, but Christ has set us free. Christ has set you free from the slavery to sin and Satan. You are free men and women of God. Your eternal destiny has been determined already. You are heaven-bound. We are all heaven-bound if we are in Christ. The Apostle Paul laid out for us three elements for victory in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 to 15. He says there, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. We are not in heaven yet. But we're experiencing some degree of heaven on earth because we have God with us. He's God, Emmanuel. He says, But one thing I do, forget what is behind. But the word is forgetting. It's a, it seems like a continuous tense. Forgetting. Continue to forget. Forget what is behind. Forget the past. Today, tomorrow, forget the past on that day. Because the past will begin to haunt you again. So on a daily basis, there's dependency of God or to God. And then we must forget on a daily basis the past. Straining toward what is ahead and press on toward the goal. We have a goal. God's goal becomes our own personal goals. To win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. Forget the, the past. Strain towards what is ahead and press on toward the goal. When we are running a race, we don't look back, but press on straight towards the finish line. I am all of us Experience running, right? We have been running, especially when we were small. The older we get, we rarely run. <laughs> but even when we were young, our parents had a lot of time uh, having trouble with us so, because we kept running, even when there was no reason to run. <laughs> Children love to run. My grandson here, Joe, used to run a lot. And he said, what's this? kid doing, keeps running even he was just about to transfer from the, move from the kitchen to the dining area he would run and if you are in a race running you take the picture and say I'm running very fast do I keep looking back from the starting line I don't, if I do that sooner or later I'm going to fall, I'm going to stumble and that's what the image of Paul is saying here. We press on towards the finish line. That's the only focus of our eyes. Our problem is we keep looking back. That's my problem. That's why on a daily basis, stop. Forget the past. Look ahead. You see, we are all in this race. And we are all going to get the prize. It's not that whoever reaches the finish line first, of course he gets, he gets the prize first, but the other ones will also receive, receive the same prize. So let's ask ourselves, are we helping other believers stay strong in the faith? Are you helping other believers stay strong in the faith? Or are you pushing them to weaken their faith and make them vulnerable to stray 
away and stumble. Listen and obey the counsel from God's Word. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 to 24, says there, put off your old self. Put off. Take off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new so the new one will shine in the attitudes of your mind and to put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness. This is the new life. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 shows us how. How do we do this? By living in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit in the ways of God. When you are led by the Spirit, you obey or you are, you are obeying God. You are obeying God's Word. And then what's the result? You will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. That's how you overcome. So brethren, God save us, delivered us from a terrible domination and slavery to the old life of sin for us to live the new life in Christ. Let us discard the old way of life, forget it on a daily basis, and forget its false promises. Why go back? Why go back? Stay close to your first love, the Lord Jesus. Have faith in Him. Keep His word in your heart. Pray regularly and stay away from those things that draw you back to the old ways. Press on with the new life that God has given you. It's the best. It's the best. But that best is yet to come. We have become better person. God is using us in different ways in the kingdom, in his kingdom. We are victorious. We ought to be victorious because our God is a mighty God and he is victorious. Before I end, I would like to offer a song to God to exhort you to live by faith and live by the Spirit of God. This song uh, got this from the theme of the movie the Exodus. And I asked uh, my wife Nora to change or revise the lyrics to fit in in a more biblical sense.
his hand and live this life for him and live this glorious life with him though I am just a man I know he's by my side with the help of God I know I can be strong His Spirit gives me power To live my life To make my Jesus known For by His death He said Let's all bow down. Father, thank you for your message to us this morning. You have blessed us with a great deliverance for salvation, O oh God. No less than your own Son, Jesus Christ, came to this world to personally deliver us, save us. You want us to live a new kind of life that reflects the glory of your name, that reflects your character. We need to live by faith day after day. But perhaps many of us are still struggling with the enticement of the call to the old life. Many of us are still looking back to the old ways of things. And so we stumble, and perhaps others will stumble. Lord, forgive us of these sins, O oh God. And for those who desire to ask God, and you say, God, I want your help. I want to run this race strong. I want to run this race to give glory to your name. I, I keep looking back. Help me, Lord, to get off my old self and put on the new self, which is created in righteousness. I want to pray for you. God has prompted me to call you out I need it myself I'm sure many of you also need that because by doing so we're saying God I depend on you I do not have my own strength it's a humbling experience it continues to develop that humility in us help us Those who want to be prayed for, just stand up where you are. God is calling you out today. Thank you for responding. Thank you for your response. Thank you. I'm sure God has spoken to many. I also need this. You want to finish strong. In this race you pray with me this prayer if you have been if you're already a Christian and you want to become strong God forgive me for my lack of faith at times I don't trust you enough there are times when I follow the ways of the world Forgetting that you are a God who promised to provide everything we need in life. Who is always with us day and night. 
every hour, every minute. I want to follow your ways. I want to fix my eyes on Jesus, the perfecter of my faith. Life is short. And I want this short life to be honorable. Others will see the light of Jesus in us. Help me that I might bear the fruit of the Spirit more and more. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Let's give a round of applause to God. Thank you.